0: We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Hey, everybody, Crossroads Online. Man, it is so good to see you guys today. My name is Pastor Brian. I am the lead pastor here at Crossroads, and it is great to see you all. Uh, whether it's your first time joining us or you have called Crossroads home for a long time, want to welcome everybody. Our mission here is to lead people to discover Jesus. Follow him fully, however we can help you do that. That's why we're here. We want to help you take your next steps towards him. So thanks again for joining us today online. Don't forget that you have chat hosts that are available for you right now. They want to connect with you in those chat host rooms, and so make sure you know that they're there for anything that you might need. And if you want to, go ahead and start and grab your Bibles for me. I'd love for you to join me in two places today. 2 Samuel chapter 6 and 1 Chronicles chapter 16. We'll be there in just a second. Chat host, go ahead and throw in those links in there for 2 Samuel 6, 1 Chronicles 16, right there in the chat. And also, you can look it up in the Crossroads Grace app. The app is a great place with all kinds of fun things that are in there. Access to past sermons are in there. Easy way to give. You could sign up for a growth group, and you can order your coffee on there now. Nightingale Coffee has got, got a little button on there that you can click on to order your coffee. But another thing you can do, Sign up for a tag team. That's right. It is time for tag teams to get going. It is just two weeks away from our relaunch of our 11.30 a.m. service. We're reopening all of our kids' classrooms. It's time to reopen. And this means more people of all ages coming, but also we need more people to hear about the greatest hope of all, Jesus Christ. Our teams, they're working really hard to keep everybody safe for for you and for your kids. In order to safely open all of our classrooms, we're going to need you to help us step up and serve there. Uh, Serving on our kids' team is super easy. We're going to train you how to do it, give you all the tools that you need, Uh, but I don't want you just to take my word for it, okay? I know you're like, hey, you're the pastor who's supposed to say that. I want you to hear from one of our own kids' tag team members. Her name's Natasha, and she was actually interested in serving, but she was unsure of like, how do I start? Where do I go? So last Christmas, she saw an email come out saying, hey, we need some volunteers. And she thought about it, and she signed up. Uh, she thought she was like, going to serve for just one time, maybe a short commitment, you know, maybe the, the length of a Netflix show. But Natasha, she jumped right in. She served with all the little ones. She loved it so much that she wanted to keep serving. And the biggest need at the time was in the fifth and sixth grade room. I've got a sixth grader. They're not that scary. They're pretty awesome. Uh, And she said yes, even though she was a little nervous. Now, I want you to listen to what she said, though. This is her experience, her word. She says this. That night, before, I was nervous. What had I gotten myself into? What if the kids don't like me? What if I'm not a Christian enough to teach these kids? Should I brush up on some Bible verses just in case? Sunday morning, I nervously walked in the pre-team area. The team supported me through the entire process. Thankfully, I wasn't left on my own. Small groups were amazing as the kids shared and I could see the impact that this time had on them. It was really fun to get to know them and the other volunteers. I realized God had put me into the exact place I needed to be. I left that day feeling encouraged and excited for the next time I could serve. It's amazing to look back and realize that it all started with saying yes to that still small voice. God was communicating with me. Now that's cool. How awesome is that? So thank you, Natasha, for saying yes and stepping up. And for all of you that have already stepped up and to join a tag team, thank you so much. But if you haven't yet, it's time to join time to jump into a tag team. It's not scary, I promise. It's going to be worth it. So I want you to visit this website, crossroadsgrace.org tagteam tag team. Sign up today, and it is time for us to reopen all of our campus. Now, today we're wrapping up our series. It's called Essential. Now, a series, this Essential series, is looking at the essentials of being a Christian. Uh, and an essential is something that you can't live without. Now, week one, we started off by looking how the Bible is essential. And as Christians, we need to be connected to it because Jesus saw it as essential. He quoted it. He validated it. He fulfilled it in all that he did in his ministry. And as we read the Bible, we'll find out that the entire thing, guess what? It's about Jesus. But it's not simply a book that we need to say, hey, I did it, and then move on to the next book on our list. No, the Bible is designed to to cut deep deep, deep, deep into our spirit and change us to be more like Jesus. Which is why we said in week one, we said that we don't read the Bible. The Bible actually reads us, right? But because as we dive into the Bible, we find out about ourselves, but we also find out about something else that God deems as essential. And it's, it's called prayer. My friend, Pastor Adam Weber, he actually says, prayer is talking with God. And we stay connected with him through the power of prayer. However, we can't look at prayer as like emergency flare that we fire into the air when we're in trouble. No, 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 no. Prayer needs to be seen as much more than that, which is why we said that prayer is our first line of offense, not our last line of defense. Too often we pray as our last resort, but but God says it should be the first thing that we go to, which is why it's so essential. Now, last week, we had Pastor Carl come, drop some knowledge on us in the third essential area, which was giving. And I loved when he said that giving and generosity are heart and trust issues. That's why it's essential to followers of Jesus Christ. He just crushed it, right? That's exactly what it's all about. I mean, giving is essential because it's all about our heart. It's so great, so if you missed any of those messages, please go to our website, you can go to the app, get caught up on all the other essentials that we've talked about. But the final essential is what we want to look at today. And the final one is worship. And, and while worship might sound intense and maybe too spiritual for some people, it's actually much more common than we think. Worship is simply what we put our worth in. You could think about it this way: that worship equals worthship. Right? it's like saying worship with a lift, right? It's worth ship. It's really worth ship, not worship. And my friends, this is not just a Christian thing. Worship is all around us, whether we believe in God or not. All of us put our worth into someone or something every day of our lives. And where we put our worth is what we give our devotion and our energy to. It's what we worship. And you can see this everywhere. Like you can see this everywhere. Here's just a few examples. Um, every year, the US alone spends $56 billion on professional sports. The pornography industry generates $12 billion of revenue annually in the US alone. At the beginning of 2020, there was $1 trillion of credit card debt in the United States. And in 2019, $450 billion was spent on gambling. My friends, we may not want to think about it this way, but that is all worship. It's what we put our time, our energy, our money, our soul into. It's what we think gives us worth. However, when we start to talk about worship as essential to our relationship with God, we instantly go to a default place. And we put worship in a 15 to 20 minute time slot where we sing, we might listen to a song at the beginning of a church service. But once that's over, we put a check mark next to that. We said we worship God, we move on to whatever else is next. We even label things in the church that way. As Christians, we have worship teams, worship songs, worship centers. And what we're doing is we're putting worship in a place it was never meant to be, in a box. But if worship is actually about worth, then we can't keep worship in a box. It has to explode and spread beyond just the confines of words sung or notes played, but it's to, to the life that we live. Because trying to find our worth is not like a Disney movie where we sing our way through life. We don't just sing our worth, we live our worth. And what worth we live out Shows what we worship. So when we talk about worshiping God, what he is asking us to do is to put our worth in him. It's to consider putting our time, our energy, our soul into him. It's to worship him and him alone. But why? Like, why should we allow ourselves to find our worth in God? Why is worship essential? Well, to answer that, let's consider a story in the Old Testament. It's found in the life of David, and I believe that it's going to help us see what this whole idea of worship and worth is all about. But to get our arms around it, let me explain kind of what's going to be happening in the story, especially if you're not familiar with the Bible or God in any way. No problem. Super glad that you're with us and tuning in today, because one of the ways God was worshiped in the Old Testament was through something called the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was constructed after God led the Israelites out of Egypt, and the word ark is a Hebrew word that means chest or coffin, but it's a different word from Noah's ark. I guess building a massive floating coffin didn't exactly send the right message. I don't know. But the ark of the covenant was made by a man, a man by the name of Bazil, and he was commissioned by Moses. And it was made of acacia wood. It was plated with gold. It, had, it was 47 inches long, 27 inches high, and 27 inches deep. And the ark served as a chest, and inside it held the two tablets that contained the Ten Commandments, the staff of Aaron, who is Moses' older brother that had budded, and a pot of manna, which was the food that God miraculously uh, provided the people in the desert for 40 years. And on top of that, on top of the Ark of the Covenant was called the Mercy Seat, and it had two cherubim that were winged creatures that were on either side of it. The Lord was concerned, or was considered to be enthroned between those two cherubim and, and the Lord spoke to Moses from between them. It was never to be touched and it was considered highly sacred. The only people that were able to carry it were a group of people known as the Levites who would slide these poles into rings that were on the outside of the ark so it could be carried. The ark was so sacred that people that, 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 that they took it everywhere with them. The Israelites took it everywhere with them. It was what they, what they brought to cross the Jordan River. It was what brought the, they were, had it when the walls of Jericho fell. It was what they brought into the promised land. But here's what's important to remember about the ark. It was not a magical box or something like that, okay? It, it was never the ark that was to be worshiped. It was always God whose spirit rested on it that was supposed to be worshiped. It was never to be manipulated as some sort of lucky box or something like that. And if you're an athlete watching today, hey, give me a thumbs up if you're an athlete out there. Like, like, you get this. We have silly things that we think will bring us luck all the time or might get us out of slumps that we might be in. Guys, I remember eating, oh gosh, this is embarrassing. I used to eat vanilla wafers, circus peanuts, and Lipton sweet tea before every game in high school. I know. I used to put my uniform on the same way before every game. I wouldn't wash my socks or my sliding pants until I had a bad game. Yet I would always take a shower between doubleheaders in college. Not sure what that's about. right? So, so superstition stuff is silly, but it's what we do sometimes and we think that it might help us out. That wasn't what God intended the Ark of the Covenant to be used for, though. Not at all. This wasn't a fuzzy rabbit's foot kind of situation. Case in point, when the Israelites tried to go into battle against the Philistines, against what God told them to do, they started to lose So somebody decided got this great idea, hey, go grab the Ark of the Covenant and bring it to the battlefield to see if this will give us a victory. So sure, they ran and they brought it to the the battlefield. Well, not only was God not, like didn't appreciate being used as a lucky battle penny, he actually allowed the Philistines to beat the Israelites and capture the Ark of the Covenant. Except the Philistines quickly realized it was a bad idea. They gave that Ark back. And after this, the prophet Samuel, he hid the ark until a godly king came into power to restore it properly, which is why when a man by the name of David became the king of Israel, one of the first acts as a king was to return the ark back to its rightful place. He brought it back to Jerusalem. Uh, He brought it back to the people so they could be reminded of all that God had done, all of God's goodness, all of the reasons why God is worthy to be praised and worthy to be worshiped. David was a king that the people had been waiting for. He was the one God, he was the one that God was going to use to bring the nation back to worship God again, which is why, where we get to pick up in 2, Samuel chapter, in 2 Samuel chapter 6. There we see David bringing the Ark of the Covenant back, back to the people, back to the proper location for people to worship God properly. He brings a group of men with him to, to get the ark from a home that had been kept in. And it's here that we get to see actually five essentials of worship, the five essentials of worship. So let's check out what happened. Uh, for 2 Samuel chapter six, let's start in verse 13, where it says this. It says, when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. Oh my goodness. I love this little chicken nugget of a verse, right? Don't, don't you? I mean, David. King David goes to the home where the Ark of the Covenant is being kept and I'm sure that he like thanked the homeowner and everything, but he loads up the uh, the Ark on the poles and then he starts his way back to Jerusalem. But he takes six steps and does what? Kills a fatted calf, kills a bull. What does he do? He worships. He's like one of those kids that in the marshmallow experiment, if you ever saw that, where you put a marshmallow in front of a little kid and then tell them not to eat it and you're gonna go leave until, you, can, you can't eat it until they come back, until you come back. And, and if they leave it alone and they don't eat it, they'll get two marshmallows as a reward. Well, well, when you leave the room, then you get to see what the kids do. Some kids have total self-control. They don't even touch the thing and even though they're dying to try it. And then there's other kids that the second the door latches, they devour it. They devour the whole thing. David's one of those kids. It's like he's saying, I can't take it anymore. I just can't wait. I can't help but eat the marshmallow. He can't help but worship God. Take six steps. And he says, stop, 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 stop. Wait, wait, wait. We got to worship. He could not even help himself, which is the first thing I want us to remember about being essential in worship is that, number one, don't wait to worship. Don't wait. Too often we think we need to have everything figured out. We need to be as sin-free as we possibly can. We need to have all of our questions answered to even think about worshiping God. But what if we were like David? What if we just went for it? What if we just stopped thinking so much and, and we led with worship instead of leading with all of our insecurities about worshiping? Guys, God is saying, don't wait to worship. But David doesn't stop there check out what happens after the six-step bull and calf buffet is over with, all right? Look at verses 14 and 15. There we read, it says, wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might, while he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. David is cutting a rug, man, like he is all about it. Now, now, now! I I hate to dance. Actually, like I hate it. It's it's like my worst nightmare in the world. It, it, it'd be like dancing in public. I mean, I feel like I look like like this when I'm dancing. Mike, come on, come on go get the ball. Come on, Mike. come on. come on. Yeah, you come on, come on, tell you this when i get to heaven i'm not gonna care come on! If God calls for the electric slide on the heavenly dance floor, I'll be the first boot-wearing dude out there. I'm going to cut a rug. But I love how Scripture describes and kind of captures what David did. It says he danced with all his might. Now, now the Hebrew word for might is oz, and it means to do something with all of your strength because that's exactly what we're supposed to do, worship with all our might, don't hold back. Let it go. And, and gang, it is not just about singing and raising your hand while you're, while you're in worship. singing worship songs. That's awesome. But guys, there's more. God is saying, worship me with all of your might in your marriage, in your job, in your giving, in loving your neighbor, in telling your friends about Jesus. He's saying, worship with all your odds, all your might. But you should also know this that this all-out worship will not always be greeted with open arms. Look closely at what we see next as David is in the middle of dancing the night away. Look at what happens as we continue. It says this, it says, As the ark of the, of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. So so check this out. As David is bringing in the Ark of the Covenant, the long-awaited return of God to the city, up in the window is someone watching, none other than the former king's daughter, Michal. And if she was anything like her dad, she hated David. King Saul and his whole family, except for his son Jonathan, they were all jealous of all of David's success, and his love by the people and the favor that he had from God in his life. And so Mikhail, like she looks from the window, she sees David genuinely worship, worshiping God without any inhibitions, dancing with all of his ahs. And she says, it says that she despised him in her heart. She hated seeing David worshiping God out of jealousy and pride and sin. And I could just tell you that there will always be people like that. People are going to wonder why you say you can't go with them on Sunday or Thursday because you've made church a priority. They're going to wonder why you give the first 10% of your money to the local church. They'll wonder why you serve joyfully and not begrudgingly. Men, your buddies are going to give you a hard time for not talking bad about your wife on the job site. It's going to happen. Gang, they might even despise you for it, but it doesn't make it any less essential. In fact, it makes it more essential. That's why the third thing to remember about worship is that worship, we should worship no matter who's watching. Worship no matter who's watching. No matter who is watching worship. But, but let's dig a little bit deeper into this, all right? And stick with me online. Okay, give me some thumbs up. Let me make sure you're with me here. In a second, we're going to talk about what's happening when David establishes the ark back to the temple. We'll get there. But I want to first fast forward past that moment just for right now. And I want you to get to the point where David is done worshiping God in the temple. And when the worship was over and the people were leaving, David stepped outside. And who do you think he ran into again? None other than Mikhail, a.k.a. Karen. And and look what happens between these two. Check check this out. Look at verse 20. So good. Verse 20 says this. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. So... As David walks out of this amazing moment of God's presence being restored back to the people, bringing the ark back to its proper place, he gets beat up by Karen. Mikhail decides that this is a perfect time to call out David. She loses sight of this God moment and she makes it her moment, her preferences, her feelings, her perceptions. Don't kid yourself. She was still worshiping. She was just worshiping the wrong thing. Can I just point out the elephant in the room right here? This happens in churches too. Happens all the time over churches over all the years. People will worship at the altar of their preferences and they will eviscerate churches in the process. People in churches will fight over the style of music, the volume of music. The sermon is too deep. The sermon is not deep enough. People will dress up too much. They don't dress up enough. Uh, Oh, by the way, what about alcohol in church, women in ministry, dancing, Bible verses? right? And the pandemic, oh my goodness, has opened up a whole new batch of things to get grumpy about and fight within the church. I'm leaving because you're wearing masks. Well, well I'm leaving because you don't well, wear masks enough. Well, I'm leaving because you didn't open the church soon enough. Well, I'm not coming back because I don't think you should open the church at all. I'm not coming back because I, until there's a vaccine. Well, I'm not getting a vaccine because, until, because they're implanting microchips into you and it's a sign of the beast and it might force you to become a Dodger fan, right? All this stuff. Like, can't you see it? It's all worship. It's the worship of us, not God, though. And listen to me. Oh, my goodness, listen. Satan loves it. Loves it. He loves to see us eat our own young. He loves us seeing destroying one another. He loves seeing churches torn apart because he knows that when that happens, people will have stopped focusing on God. They will have been turned on each other. They will weaken the church and made people on the outside looking in say, why in the world would I want to be part of that, let alone their God? So how do we answer these questions? How do we answer these attacks from the Michaels out there? Well, well, we'll look closely at what David says in response to her. Look real, real closely here. Verse 21, it says this, David said to Michale, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes that by these slave girls you spoke of, I'll be held in high honor. <laughs> Love that. David looks up to Mikhail and says, hey, hey, Karen, Karen, I get it. You're upset because I'm king. Someone in your family is not. That's why you're all bent out of shape. And guys, that's true. She was mad that she was no longer in power, didn't like that David had taken her spotlight. That was what it was all about. And so often when the Mikhaels in the world are chirping in your ear, it can be really overwhelming, really stressful. But I think what David just unpacked is really important for us all. He just showed us that the most, that most of the time, most of the time, it's a them problem, not a you problem. Don't take on their junk so that they'll leave you alone or that maybe they'll like you. Guys, don't do it. Stay focused on what you know is right and what God is calling you to focus on. Notice again what David said. Okay, notice again what he said. He says, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. He basically looks at Michael and says, hey, listen, hey, my worship isn't for you. It's for God. Isn't that great? This is the final, this is one of the final things that we need to remember about why worship is essential. Number four, remember why you worship. Our worship is not for anyone else other than God. As Christians, we worship Jesus. We are pouring our life out to him. We are thanking him for all that he's done for us. We are aligning our life to be more like him. We are being generous because of him. We're loving our neighbor because of him. We are changing how we think and act and speak because of him. We worship Jesus, not so that more people will like us, but so that we'll be more like Jesus. That's why we do it. But let's rewind for a moment. Let's take us back to when David entered the temple. And as you do that, I want you actually to jump over to uh, 1 to Chronicles, if you will. 1 Chronicles chapter 16 with me. It's the, it's the other telling of the story. Um, it's the same time in history, but it's just another telling of the story. But here we get to see what happens when King David actually gets the Ark of the Covenant back in Jerusalem. He places the Ark back in the proper place in the Holy of Holies in the temple. And then he instructs the priest to say these words in worship. And here in verses 23 through 31, we get to hear David's words about about what he wants us to to understand, what he wants them to hear, what he wants us to do when we worship. And so here's what I want us to do today. I want you right now at home, Crossroads Online, I want you to hear me. I want you to close your eyes and I just want you to listen. Nothing weird, okay, nothing weird. No goofy stuff's gonna happen, I promise you that. I just want you to listen to, to the words of David that he uses to praise God in this epic moment. And and when I'm done, here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep your eyes closed just for a second. Now, if you're in a lazy boy, don't kick back. All right, don't try to fall asleep on me. I just want you to close your eyes where you're at. I want you to listen to these words. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. I want you to start to listen to me in verses 23. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, starting in verse 23. It says this. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and joy are in His dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him. All the earth, the world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns." Now open your eyes. What David just did was he covered virtually every aspect of who we are as humans and he pointed us back to God. He worshiped God every possible way you could think of. And that is the last thing that we see about worship is that worship is everywhere. My friends, there is no end to what and where and how we should worship God. Even in our darkest days, Where we feel like there is no hope and there's nothing good, I'm telling you that even then, there's something. There's something to worship God for. And if we would just stop and think for a split second with a clear mind, we would see so many things we could worship Him for. Did you breathe today? Did you get up this morning? Did you have food today? Did you walk to your car? Did you get into a car that's yours? Did you hug your kids? Did you see the sunrise? Everywhere we look, God can and should be worshipped. David turns all the attention back to God. It wasn't about worshipping the box. It was about worshipping God. David makes sure, it makes certain that, that everyone has their eyes and their ears and their heart and their soul focused on God. And it was an amazing moment. Gang, I, I just need to say something that's probably not gonna be really popular in our day and age, but I just think that we need to understand. And, and as we think about how essential worship is, I think we need to keep this in mind. Be worried if no one around you is concerned about how much you worship God. I, I really mean it. And I'm not talking about they standing on a box in the middle of downtown yelling at people and telling them that they're going to hell or being so unrelatable at the office that no one wants to talk to you. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, if the way that you're living your life is not at least causing people to ask you why you do what you do, you may need to check how much might you're putting in your worship. I'll say it this way. If there is no difference between how you worship God before you met Jesus and after you met Him, You might not know him because when you come face to face with the reality of who you are, what Jesus did for you, and how much God loves you, guys, you can't help but be different. It's not possible because what you find in that moment is the true source of who you are. You actually find out your worth. Let me say it this way. God is worthy of our worship because he's the creator of our worship, of our worth. We worship God because he is who gives us our worth. And listen to me, true worship is found not only in our actions, but the heart of our actions. It's found in God's spirit and in the truth of who he is. When we live our lives outside of the spirit and truth, we will always be wandering for our worship. We'll always be wandering. We will find our worth in the wrong things. But in him, Paul would say this to the church in Athens in Acts chapter 17, verse 28. He says, for in him we live and move and have our being. So so when we are found in him, we find our worth. and, And we see worshiping him as essential. So as we bring ourselves to this time of communion and we put a bow on this essential series, I think we need to know what to do next. And you may be asking yourself, hey, like, where do I start? Well, as I asked myself that, I noticed a very small verse and a very small detail at the end of 1 Chronicles 16 that made a very big impact on me in this whole essentials conversation. And it's right after David has, has, has brought the ark back and he's dealt with Mikhail and he's worshiped God with all of his ahs in front of everyone. It's, it's after all of this, after all the crowd is leaving and the worship service is over, that I caught this. First Chronicles 16, verse 43. It says, Then, then all the people left, each for their own home, and David returned home To bless his family. Did you catch it? You see, you think that the worship that impressed God the most was the ark being brought back to Jerusalem. Or or maybe you thought, maybe all the sacrifices that that were made and all the praises of the people that maybe that was it, and guys, that was all good. But what we see here is that David didn't leave the worship at the altar. He brought the worship home with him. And my friends, That is where the true power is. That is where we start to see God as essential through the Bible, in prayer, in giving, in worship. It's at our homes. It's in our hearts. It's when no one is watching. Worship is about our whole life. God is worthy of our worship because he's the creator of our worth. So my friends, no matter where you might be at, whether you're at your house or whether you're, you're somewhere else or whether you're, 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 you're at a coffee shop, maybe you're driving to work right now when you're listening to this, whatever it might be, I just, I just want you to know that you are worth more than what this world tells you. God actually says that you are worth so much that he would give his only son up for you, that he would allow his son Jesus to die on a cross for your sins and my sins. That's how much you're worth to him. And if he thinks that we're worth that much, I believe that we're, we should worship him for that. So when we get this time of communion each and every week, it's a time for us to remember how much Jesus thinks that we're worth and how worthy he is of our worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just lift you up right now. You're worthy of our praise. You are the, the, the God of, of the universe. There is no God like you. So, Father, as we have the the words of David echo in our spirit, Father, as we hear the the praise of your your name, that there is no one like you and that you you are above the heavens and the earth, God, we just just want to to praise you for that. But, God, we also want to realize that you you give us our worth. You created us. You knew us when we were just a speck before then. God, you knew us. And then our value comes from you. And we're so valuable that you would give your one and only Son up to us to die for our sins in our place. And so, Jesus, we thank you for the grace that you give us on the cross. Spirit, we thank you for inspiring and encouraging our lives and guiding our steps. And right now, we pray, God, that we would worship you through this communion as we remember Jesus. Jesus, it's all for you. We love you and thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.